Did we both hit record at the same time? I think we may have. I hope we did. I think we did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode. We're on episode three, Carlin. We did three. It. We made it. Yeah. Episode three of Unscrewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're attempting to unscrew the situation that we're in societally, in the West, in America, whether it's in education, our politics, and any other institution that is perhaps it's a futile endeavor to try and unscrew it. But you know, <laughs> we at least should should try it right uh does that is that a pretty good summary uh carlin borsinko kb community you know doctor you are dr carlin borsinko i'm just truman the random scrub well i guess so i only pull out doctor though when i'm pissed at someone and want to leverage my title over them oh okay well you don't have to call me doctor you don't have to call me doctor until you piss me off truman okay fair enough fair enough (laughs) well at least you have those credentials. I, I just am a random scrub. I either record this in my bathroom at home or in, I'm literally in a closet. I'm going to post a picture of this. I'm at my in-laws um, in, a, in a little storage closet. There's like a mattress and some containers over here. Everything's like piled up. Hey, it's probably uh, more soundproof than my second bedroom that I'm sitting in. Perhaps, perhaps. But I don't have the the wonderful uh, backdrop that you have uh, whenever it comes to all the colors and stuff. So, so, so Carlin... What uh, it's a long time no see, by the way. I haven't seen you in like a month of Sundays. I, I know we we actually we we got to spend some time together in person for the first time in forever um, yep. at James Lindsay's workshop in uh, in Tampa, which I thought was pretty rad. It, it it was. Let's let's talk about that for a little bit, and yeah. um, then I have some something else I want to pick your brain about. But uh, what was your takeaway from the Tampa? I mean, tell people what that workshop oh was, God. and you know, just kind of what your general experience was like. Yeah, it, it, it was so good. It was like, so James Lindsay basically did like a day and a quarter um, of just talking about what critical race theory is and um, uh, using their primary source literature to basically back up every every um, every point he had to make about how destructive the ideology is and what it's trying to do. Um, and it was just like, it was so good. It was so good. Like oftentimes I get, I, I love and adore James Lindsay. But oftentimes I get frustrated with him because I think that he gets too long winded and too verbose and too in the weeds on these things, because that's just that's where he said is that's like what he really likes to do. But what I loved about this workshop is he has gotten to the point now of being able to talk about this so succinctly, so clearly make the absolute best case that I've seen made about how this this is actually like a destructive Marxist ideology that is designed mm-hmm. to just destabilize the entire system. And I always feel like, you know, that's something I think that a lot of us that are doing this, like, I, I feel like everyone has a moment where they can see it clearly, like what this ideology is trying to do, but making making the case for it in a way in which you don't sound like a crazy person yeah, is yeah. a whole different thing, right? Because yep. I feel like a lot of times when I make the case that no, this entire thing is not about race. It's only it's only about power. It's only about destabilizing the system. I feel like every time I make that case, I feel like I sound like a crazy person. Yep. And he made yeah. it, and he made it really clearly and really <sighs> succinctly, and he did such a good job. I thought it was great. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, like you said. I hate that I have so many of these things that whenever I say them or, and I even catch myself and I wonder if this is just part of, I, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but just part of like that formerly being, 
you know, so indoctrinated into a lot of these leftist ideas where I have these thoughts where I'm like, am I crazy for thinking this? Where I feel like almost, and by the way, it's good to be self-checking, right? Whenever you have something like you don't want to be so confident in every little thought that pops into your head, that you aren't in a constant state of like trying to verify, you know, what you're saying. Yeah. But I think that the reality is exactly what you said, is that with a lot of these things, especially when you're saying this is Marxism, this is authoritarian, total top-down control of society, that whenever, I mean, if you take an average person off the street and they're like, yeah, tomorrow I have, my work is doing this diversity, equity, inclusion thing that we have to do, you know, and it's, we're trying to learn how to be, you know, more sensitive to people of different races. If your first response is, oh, so they're going to teach you Marxism. They're going to indoctrinate you in Marxism. You're going to sound like a crazy person. Like you just Mm -hmm. are. And so you have to be able to draw that line between what they're being told, the rhetoric, the diff- the definitions of those words. One of my favorite takeaways from it was communists use our vocabulary, but not our dictionary. Mm-hmm. If you can't draw that straight line in a way that's like, hey, I know this sounds crazy, but here's their own words. You know, here's the way they describe this. And, you know, this is what you are being taught, even if they're not using those exact words, if, even if they're not saying seize the means of production, right? Like that's what this is. That's what it leads to. Mm-hmm then yeah, if you can't make that case, you're going to sound like a nut job. So, I mean, it's the same way with like, uh, and maybe, I think we'll probably, we'll get into this later with like vac- vaccine stuff. If you can't make the case, articulate your concerns for these things in a way that's like grounded and it's like, you know, it's right here, you know, this is not, you know, I'm not saying this is going to give you like autism or something. Um, but if you can't do that, then you're going to be dismissed. And so it's so crucial to be able to calmly rationally and clearly and like you said i think is really important succinctly articulate the criticisms or the arguments that we're trying to make if we want to have any buy-in whatsoever with people because they only have so much time they only have so much intellectual energy and they only have so much emotional energy they can dedicate to hearing you out and especially if they're already gonna be on the defensive they only have so much goodwill they're going to dedicate to trying to understand your point so you have to be able to do that and so i felt like that workshop and i'm excited to go back and and watch it i know they're recording it they're going to do like a video series and some corresponding like book. I think they said pamphlet. I don't know. Uh, the Michael Fallon guy, the, the sovereign nations guy talked about what their plans were for it, which I didn't realize that was like the first one they're doing like that. So that was pretty cool. That was awesome be there for that. But I'm excited to go back through that. And in like my notes, especially because there's parts where I'm like, okay, he's talking so fast. I did not get all of that um, to get totally. some of that, those succinct like talking points from it, because it was, it was, it was really good but it was like drinking through a fire hose is the way I I worded it. No, it was. And even though, I mean, I think you and I probably know this stuff already better than like the average person does, but he was going so quick. And I was so excited when they said, you know, we're recording this. You don't have to worry about it. I was like, oh my God, I need to go back and watch this entire thing like three or four more times just to be able to get, and I mean, and honestly, like, I don't want to gush on James Lindsay too much, but that guy's a goddamn machine. Totally. Absolutely. and, and, And I couldn't, you know, I was sitting there going, you know, what if, like, let's ponder a reality in which we just, we don't have James Lindsay. Like, we just take yep. that guy out of the equation. We, like, hit, like, you know, I mean, I think sometimes it's it's difficult for people to, to really grasp that one singular person can actually make a difference just by, like, yep. getting up and showing up every day and keeping his head down and focusing on what he's doing. And it's it's not like James Lindsay always had a platform. 
like he does yep. now. He has the platform he does because he just like, he is so focused on this thing. He's so focused on the outcome that he wants. And I feel like he's he's carrying the weight of a lot of people. And just like, I mean, th- honestly, like thank God for James Lindsay. We'd be completely screwed if it wasn't for him. Yep. Yeah, he embodies, I, I tell people this often whenever it comes to this cultural fight that they have to channel their inner John McClane you know, Bruce Willis's character in Die Hard, because there is this scene in the fourth Die Hard movie where it's a really good scene. You can find a clip of it on YouTube where the Justin Long is his sidekick in that character or in that movie. Justin Long plays the sidekick and, and he's like, you know, I'm not like you. I'm not a hero. Uh, I, I can't do all these things. And John McClane says, you know, being a hero gets you this, you know, you eat a lot of dinners alone. You get alienated, all these other things. You don't want to be, he says, you don't want to be that guy. And so then, but the important part where that, so just along says, so why are you doing it? Why are we doing this? And this is what people need to, to channel is John McClain says, because no one else is doing it because it has to be done. If there was someone else who was willing to do this better, believe me, I would, st- I would say, let them do it, but no one else is doing this. It needs to be done. So right now we're doing it. And so that's the, and James Lindsay embodies that where it's like, it has to be done. The question is, do I want to do it? That's not the question. The question is, does it need to be done? And am I a person capable of doing this? And so if you just, you do it, that's what this moment requires of us is to channel that mentality of it's like my, my personal interest in this or my enjoyment of it is not the, the proper question. The question is, is it necessary? Um, and the answer is obviously yes. And I think he's someone who embraces that, that, yeah. you know, it, it just has to be done. So, so why not? Yeah, um, I think he embraces it. I think Chris Rufo embraces yep. it. Like, I think God... Pipagosian embraces it, absolutely. Like, I mean, I've, I've thought about this so much. Like, if Chris Rufo hadn't come out, like, the ball of fire that he did and was doing all this media stuff, I'm like, that, like, I would have, like, I would have inserted myself into that role. And, like, I yep. really don't want to do that. And so, yep. like, I mean, like, thank God for people like him, Peter Bogosian. Um, like, but, but, you know, what the thing is that, you know, um, that is starting to bother me about this whole situation. And I was having a conversation with um, someone who I'll I'll keep anonymous for now last night on this topic. But um, there are all these organizations that are springing up to like, quote unquote, fight critical race theory now. And without naming any of them in particular, it's like, I look at a lot of these organizations and I'm like, they're not really in it for the right reasons. They're in it because there's fundraising to be had off this. They're in it because there's an opportunity to be had on this. They're in, they're in it because it's a branding opportunity to stay relevant in whatever political genre they want to stay relevant in. But the thing that really worries me is a lot of these organizations aren't really doing as much as people believe they are to fight back. And that makes, I mean, that makes someone like, you know, James Lindsay or Peter Bogosian or Chris Rufo or any of these other people, it makes their role so much more important because they are actually showing up and making tangible sure. progress. And I think what worries me so much is that, you know, we have all these organizations that are popping up to quote unquote, fight critical race theory or, you know, whatever. And we have, you know, people, uh, you know, states are passing these bills. You see all these videos of people speaking up at school board meetings. And I just continue Truman to be really worried that average people are not going to understand that we are losing incredibly badly mm. And they're going to see all this, all this activity out there and say, oh, I don't need to step up and do it. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, and, you know, I'd love your take on this because my perception of it is the people that are legitimately in it 
and are legitimately making progress on this are still so few and far between in the grand scheme of things because there's so many like pardon me being blunt but like there's so many goddamn grifters sure um well i mean i will say two things one is i if those groups are at least doing something i would say you know one is better than zero right maybe they're not doing 10 maybe they're claiming to be doing 30 that people think they're doing 10 and they're actually doing one but one is better than zero so i would i would accept that if it's at least moving in the right direction. But I think your broader point that you said there is important to where people will see activity and identify that and like conflate it with like meaningful action or something substantive. You know, whenever I was doing collegiate ministry, we had this saying, we would say, look, emotion is no substitute for action. Action is no substitute for production. And production is no substitute for reproduction. So it's like, just because you feel a thing doesn't mean you did a thing. And just because you did a thing doesn't mean it was useful, right? Mm -hmm. And just because you did a useful thing doesn't mean it's something that can be reproduced and replicated to the necessary degree. And so like you want, you don't want to confuse these, these things. And so I think you're right that people will see this activity and conflate it. And because they might have an emotional response to it or see someone have an emotional response to it they'll conflate action with something actually productive, Mm -hmm. you know? And so fair enough uh, with that. And I think that the broader issue, or I I don't know if it's the broader issue, but the more, the more long-term problem is what you said, where people will see this stuff and they will take it as an excuse to opt out of the fight. Yes. Because they will think these other people are doing it. And so they will think they don't have to show up. So they get this kind of bystander effect mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, perhaps if that's what you're referring to. And well, they'll think, well, I don't have to go to the school board meeting. I have to do this. Well, my, my state passed a bill. Right. So why do I have to, to do this kind of thing? So that's fine. I mean, that's going to happen no matter what. And I think that's why what matters is that we do have the people who are actually doing something. It's like it's not that Chris Rufo is doing stuff. It's not that James Lindsay's doing stuff, but the ingrained in what they're saying is you need to be a part of this it's like it's not i'm doing this it's they are do such a good job of bringing people with them in the fight Mm -hmm. it's like i'm not here to do this i'm here to do this and equip you to do the same and bring you along with me so that you have some ownership in this fight and you also have some tools that are part of it so integral in what they're saying it's not just fighting crt it's i'm here to help you do it because mm-hmm. you're doing it way more than, than I can do it. I mean, that's one of the things that James said at the end there. He's right. He's like, yeah. I'm here doing this in a hotel room in Tampa. What's more important, arguably, he's like, is you guys going home and taking this to your school system or your, your school board meetings, to your corporate boardrooms, to all of these other things, to your social groups. That's where it matters. So as long as that message is ingrained in there by the people that are, are kind of the ones leading the charge in a lot of ways, I don't worry as much about it because it's going to be hard for people to make the argument to opt out and tag out if specific, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying at least to make it, they I can disagree. tell themselves that for sure. No, I, I, what I mean is it's going to be harder, I guess. I'm not saying it's going to be hard. People lie to themselves and they make excuses all the time, but I'm saying that if they're saying, well, if Chris Rufo is doing it, then I don't have to. It's like, well, Chris Rufo is saying you do have to. So clearly you don't even know what you're talking about if you're going to cite Chris Rufo or Jay, cause they're saying you need to be doing this. Yeah. Right. So that, so that does encourage me, I, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but. 
I mean, it does. I, I think that people are going to, maybe I'm just a little bit more cynical and blackpilled at the moment, I suppose. But I think that if people are given an excuse to opt out of doing something that's oh, yeah. hard, they're going to take it and they're going to take it yeah, every single time. And it's just like, you know, I mean, I guess the point I want to make is like, you know, people think there are so many people that are doing this. No, there's not. Yep. There's really not. I can count probably on, I probably don't even need to use my toes. I could probably count on my hands the amount of people that I legitimately think are actually making tangible progress in terms of fighting back against this thing. It's really sure. not that many. For the time being, for the time being. But those people yeah. are leading, I think, a growing. I think you made a video about this yesterday mm-hmm. about, you know, it's the COVID stuff is waking some of the people up. Um, and But either way, they're leading, they're, mm-hmm. they're bringing people into it and it's growing. Uh, I do want to pick your brain about something Uh-oh. that that I, uh, I I felt bad. So I did a live stream on Locals last night where I was like, I feel really bad that I raised this money and people supported me to go to Tampa and to learn all this stuff about CRT. And then within a week, I think my mind has shifted to CRT is not the main threat right now. Really? Now, the, I, yes. Now, here's, okay. the, here's what I'll say. And I, and I think once I add this asterisk, I think you'll be there with me. CRT at, in and of itself in a vacuum is not the main threat. The ideology underneath CRT mm-hmm. is, that is yes. the main threat. And that's that authoritarian, like Marxist, like kind of control of stuff. And within the last week, my focus has shifted because what I said in the live stream on locals last night was I was like, okay, look. CRT, it's in everything. It's in all of our institutions, Mm -hmm. but it's a thing that is that people are exposed to it. It has gradations. Like there's not like a, on September 1st, you will be indoctrinated in CRT. You know, they can accept Mm -hmm. it or not accept it. There's a process. It's it's an idea. It's a worldview that they're going to, you know, people will have varying degrees of buy-in too. Right. Fair enough. Yes. Even though it is everywhere and is slowly and we have this asymmetrical relationship with in terms of time it is creating more and more activists it is populating itself it is reproducing Mm -hmm. at an an ever-increasing rate so fair enough the the vaccine mandate stuff and the covid stuff right now and the response and the rhetoric around like the delta space aids variant and the vaccine mandates we're seeing from private companies and the the rhetoric i'm seeing increased news articles about uh, that are, you know, Noam Chomsky wrote that book, Manufacturing Consent, about the media. I think he wrote that in the 80s. I think today that book would be called Manufacturing Resentment and it would be way more terrifying. And you're seeing all these articles where there it's like, she wants to hug her nephew, but she can't because of the millions of unvaccinated people. And it's not, it's not the regular vaccinated folks that are holding us back, but it's the unvaccinated, you know, what's the, if the vaccinated are regular, what are the unvaccinated, right? So these are quotes from, that's, I think that was uh, Alabama's, governor that said that uh, cnn had an article today about the fr- growing frustration of against unvaccinated america C- uh, nbc had an article four or five days ago about resentment is is being fostered by um but or towards the unvaccinated every single article that talks about why we're going back to these lockdowns why we're going back to mass mandates includes dedicates multiple paragraphs 
to this is conservatives, this is Trump supporters, these are the people, it's really convenient, the same people that are also terrorist sympathizers and bad people and are our ideological opponents and our chief political rivals also are the people who are destroying society by bringing this Delta, it's the pandemic of the unvaccinated, as the New York Times op-ed, I think Paul Krugman wrote uh, on the 27th, and then four days later, CDC is like, uh, the vaccinated are shedding just as much of the virus as the unvaccinated, so, but then you're getting, this is a red state pandemic. This is a pandemic, the unvaccinated. So this is a thing because that is on the front of my mind right now. And, and I, one of the reasons why I bring this up is it ties directly into the end of our last conversation and the, the Tampa thing. Cause the end of our last conversation, we were both like, what's the biggest threat? And it was like the CRT kind of ideology, what's underneath of it. You know, I call it far left orthodoxy, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And but on a practical level, you know, in terms of the different ways that this ideology is infiltrating society, I I think climate activism is one of the ways that it gets in. CRT is one of the ways it gets in Uh, the guise of like a a welfare state or all these like, uh, you know, government bureaucracy programs, unelected bureaucrats dictating stuff is one of the ways it gets Mm -hmm. in. But the vaccine stuff is on the front of my mind because it's like you have these companies saying if you're not vaccinated by this date, you can't work here. Mm -hmm. You can't come. The college is about to be in session. So today's uh, September or August 1st, uh, college is about to be in session. And they're saying, you have to have this. If you're going to come and be on campus, you're, you have to have this. You're going to be a professor. It's going to teach here. The federal government is mandating it for its employees. So it just seems so much more immediate. And the rhetoric is getting more and more charged where it's like, these people are stupid. This is a direct quote from one of these articles. You can't fix stupid. Joe Biden has that, you know, he said a thing. This is the president of the United States. If you aren't vaccinated, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Like, this is a serious, like you want to talk about othering. This is a, creating serious substantive differences in group, out group of this is a, this is an underclass that they are creating that also just happens to be their ideological opponents because they keep tying it to Trump supporters, keep tying it to conservatives and Republicans even though it's not, it's not as simple as all that, if you look at the, the data. Right. Um, but this is the thing that is really, and, and the mandates, and I, I also want to get into the risks to women who are pregnant with this stuff and how this has been under document. We don't have any data on this whatsoever. And the anecdotes and the information we do have is incredibly alarming, but there's just a lot here. And so I guess the thing I want to pick your brain on is like, my, I feel, I feel bad because went to the CRT thing. And then over the course of last week, I'm like, this is still a threat. This is the immediate threat. This is, this is right here, right now in our face. And, and so that's what my mind is consumed with. So I don't know how your process, if you've noticed a difference in the, the news or in the rhetoric or in, in this stuff lately, I don't know what your take is on that, but this is one of the things where I feel crazy by the way. Okay. So it's yeah. like, I feel crazy talking about it. Uh, but I'm really like, I would say since I haven't felt this concerned since the election in terms of like this is going to be really really bad as that because how i think about election outcomes in the future that terrifies me i have that same feeling now but it's like i'm thinking within the next two to three months of what happens when these differing ideologies clash when school is in session k through 12 right where people aren't segmented by their ideologies and it's going to be i I, i'm just really worried so sorry i know it's a lot that's how i ask questions i just don't have much crap on that that's okay i mean the first thing that's popped in my head is we can't put this on youtube now because i'll get a goddamn strike on my channel even for having this conversation but um 
but no i mean i think like so my perspective on this is is first off like i do like whenever i say critical race theory i'm usually grouping it in with a larger like ideology i i, I very rarely mean just critical race theory right it's about this larger sure. kind of like woke authoritarian ideology that is mostly coming from the left but frankly there's woke on the right just as much as there is from the left. And I think that both are equally dangerous. I think that um, any group that you have that's trying to enforce their ideology, their worldview onto other people are inherently dangerous people that I do not believe should be in any sort of decision-making power whatsoever. Um, I agree with you that I'm concerned about the othering of the unvaccinated. However, I don't know that I think it's the greatest existential threat purely because there are actually laws on the books that prevent the federal government from mandating people get like people take like have certain medical procedures there are actually laws in the books on this stuff and i and i don't think it's been properly challenged yet but i do think that especially when we're talking about the federal government mandating these things the state mandating these things i damn well hope someone's ready to sue them i damn well hope someone is ready to bring that to court and that's going to impact public uh, universities as well. It's going to impact K through 12. It's going to impact all these things. The state cannot mandate that citizens be like, like inject themselves with experimental vaccines. It's just not legal. It's already on the books. So it just has to be challenged. I think it's, I view it a little bit differently than the CRT stuff because there's nothing on the, on, in the law that says that they can't teach this crap. I mean, maybe you could draw it back to like, you know, you're not supposed to teach communism. But I mean, again, it's also really hard to draw that line. So I'm I'm concerned about it in that I think that anytime you're trying to um, establish a second class among the citizenry, that's a bad thing. I think anytime you are putting people in a position to try to mandate that other people are making medical decisions, especially when th there's not even data that has proven this to be effective particularly with what we're seeing now. I mean, I think that's bad, but I don't view this as the greatest existential threat that we're under right now. I think that the bigger picture is still far more terrifying to me. So I'm trying to find this quote by John Stuart Mill because I've referenced it now a few times. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> because what you said is you're not worried about the state mandating this stuff. And because I'm, I, there are already provisions on the books that sure. will allow a legal challenge for it. Totally. Right. I'm also not as worried about the state mandating this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about the companies mandating this stuff for their employees, which multiple, which you're seeing these news uh, groups are coming out and they're bringing on these legal scholars where they're saying this is legal. And actually it was already challenged yeah. for one. I think it was, in, was it Indiana, maybe I don't remember which university. Someone did challenge a vaccine mandate already in the courts for a student who would have to get vaccinated to come to school and they lost. So I'm not I'm not as worried about the state because what John Stuart Mill wrote about, I think this is the quote. Uh, he says, the people who exercise the power are not always the same people with those whom it is exercised and the self-government spoken of is not the government of each by himself, but each by all the rest. The will of the people more, moreover practically means the will of the most numerous or most active part of the people, the majority, or those who succeed in making themselves accepted as a majority. The people consequently may desire to oppress a part of their numbers and precautions are as much needed against, uh, against this as any other abuse of power. 
And he goes on, okay, and here's the other one. Society can and does execute its own mandates. And if, if it issues wrong mandates instead of right, or any mandates at all in things which it ought not to meddle, it practices a social tyranny more formidable than many kinds of political oppression, since thought not, since thought not usually upheld by such extreme penalties, it leaves fewer means of escape penetrating much more deeply into the details of life and enslaving the soul itself. Protection, therefore, against the tyranny of the magistrate is not enough. Think magistrate government. Mm -hmm. There needs protection also against the tyranny of the prevailing opinion and feeling, against the tendency of society to impose by other means than civil penalties its own ideas and practices as rules of conduct on those who dissent from them to fetter to the development and, if possible, prevent the formation of any individuality not in harmony with its ways and compel all characters to fashion themselves upon the model of its own. So his point is, is that society, its social tyranny penetrates to its, its your knitting group, it's mm -hmm. your work, it's your church, it's your neighbors, all of those other things, and that that is way more uh, uh, all-encompassing than a government thing. So that's, I'm worried about the companies. Well, and, and so, the so, I mean, so, so here's the thing. Number one, I don't think that companies are going to be able to feasibly run while mandating their employees get certain medical decisions. I think that they think they can, but I think that long-term, this is going to be a bad decision that is going to actually implement their, uh, it, like, uh, it's going to impact the bottom line once they see how many people they're going to effectively be firing for no good reason. So I don't think that that's going to be a long-term solution, but I mean, you know, bigger picture, I mean, to be honest, perhaps this is what needs to happen to finally light a fire under the asses of people to get them to speak up. Because listen, the most powerful people in any group are not the majority. The most powerful people sure. in any group are the people who are expressing themselves, who are yep. speaking up and saying, here's what we believe and here's why we believe it and here's why we think you should believe it too. And right now, the people who are, you know, um, who are, you know, the, the unvaccinated or the people who don't believe in forced vaccination of any sorts, they're not speaking up. Well, guess what? What you experience in life will be the sum total of your consciousness contributions. And to be really honest, I'm starting to have absolutely zero sympathy and zero empathy for people who are complaining and whining and whining and whining and complaining and complaining and whining some more, and then never actually speaking up in public against it. I really am. It's like, wait, wait, like you're, you're reaping what you sow. You're, you're, you're complaining privately or behind your little anonymous Twitter accounts. You're retweeting stuff from the Daily Wire all day. You're not doing a goddamn thing to fight back. Like, like, and, and you're, and you're continue to be surprised that these things are happening to you. Well, no, like I've been saying for the last year and a half, this only changes when you start speaking up. Like, when are you going to start speaking up? How far do people have to be pushed to speak up? I mean, so I'm kind of like, if it gets worse, fine. And that might be a really, you know, that might piss people off, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is you have created this situation because you have depended on the very few people who are speaking up to do the work for you. And you haven't shown up and done it your damn self. Well, when that happens, you're going to get a result that you don't like. And it's completely your own doing. The minute that you start speaking up and pushing back on this is the minute that it stops. But I, I really think that people need to be pushed even more than they already have been. And I don't know what the breaking point's going to be, but I'm kind of like, if it keeps getting worse for people who are being silent and, you know, patting themselves on the back and saying, oh, we're the silent majority. We just show up and vote. Like, you know what? Good, good. I'm glad it's getting worse for you because you actually need to start taking responsibility and get in the goddamn game. So I agree with 
the general principle of, I mean, I mean, this, we've talked about this before where it's like, if, if that's what it takes for people to wake up, you know, by seeing the monster up close, fair enough. Um, this is an area with this specific thing with the vaccine stuff where I, I worry that people, so what, sorry, I'm processing this out loud. This is the, the whole point of this thing, right? So yeah. the, a person's motivation or um, investment in opposing something, especially if it's costly to them, socially, monetarily, uh, you know, emotionally, whatever, is going to be dependent on the information they have about it, right? So what I worry about is with this vaccine stuff is that we're not, the information about it is, that's being disseminated is being heavily curated. Mm-hmm. All you're getting is in a lot, and especially if you're a low information diet person, like you're not going to have a good reason to question the CDC as an entity. But if you go to the CDC's website and look at, um, so this is because this is the type of information a person would use to formulate whether or not they should oppose this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I know people who are even lean to the right that they're like, well, what's the big deal about a vaccine mandate? These things are perfectly safe. And those people aren't, I, don't really lean to the right. No, no, I know Ben Shapiro is a big, <laughs> a big vaccine man uh, advocate. He, he think you know, he's one who he thinks he's, he's, these are great miracles. And, and again, I'm someone who is like, look, if you're 500 pounds or 80 years old, yeah, get it. That's fine. I understand the benefits probably outweigh the risks. But what I worry about is you go to the CDC's website, which this is what I'm saying is that if a person's in this, in this area, okay. Right. So CRT, different thing with this, you go to the, okay, I want to learn if this is a good thing. You go to their website. They say, this is the number one way to fight the pandemic. Everyone should get this. Um, and then here's the list of possible side effects. So they have the, there's a PDF you can print off. You can give this literature to, to people. So they, to, uh, you know, get rid of their doubts or any of their concerns. And it's like, okay, on the site of where you receive it, you might have some redness, swelling, whatever. Generally afterwards, you might have some nausea, you know, loss of energy, fatigue, whatever, but it'll go away. That's all they list. And then if you look at their thing of like, okay, here's the, there's another page you have to go to about the possible, like really serious consequences there's um some type of anaphylaxis and a few other things but they're like there's this is it their chances are really low if you go to their their page about and this is the one that i'm like this is a practical thing if we just get past the 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 thing that i think is actually more important which is the rhetoric of how they're characterizing the unvaccinated these unwashed masses and the social consequences of that that's the thing that really scares me but here's this other part just practically if you want to give like one example of where these things are that people aren't aware of what they might be opting into. So the CDC's page on pregnant women, you go there, they say the first, all they, they list the risks of COVID-19 if you're pregnant. Right. And so they, they uh, be sure to emphasize that. And they, they say the risks to pregnant women are minimal. There, there's no, we we don't have any evidence of, of there being risk to pregnant women and but they, but they admit they that tested there is, on pregnant women. <laughs> yeah. They admit that they have no data about it, but they say that there's trials in, in play. There's tri- trials right now taking place and that are planned. But if you go to, so CNN and other, the, every outlet, NPR, every mainstream outlet has ran an article along these lines of CDC recommends COVID-19 vaccination for pregnant women. And if you even look at like, so CNN's article, they say, 
studies and practical experience show that there is no risk for pregnant women. Study, there have been no studies. There have been no studies, none. And that's why the US, and so this is where I'm saying that the information that someone might use to know whether or not they should fight back against this is being heavily curated. The US is in the minority of countries that are recommending this to pregnant women. There is, uh, I think the breakdown is something like this, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong in the right direction. It's like 20 something countries recommend it for pregnant women, 30 something countries approve it for pregnant women, but they don't recommend it or not recommend it either way. It's like 50 something countries that do not recommend it for pregnant women because they say, we don't have any data on this. We right. don't have any data. So I'm saying a person might not think that there's any reason for them to do this, for, for them to not to have any concerns because it's so heavily curated. Google, who is recommending or is requiring this for their employees, are the people who curate the information flow for 99% of the internet. So they're not going to support I think if you get on if you get on Twitter, that one of the things that's always trending over there, vaccination and masks are the number one thing right. to keep you and same on Google. They have a whole tab on their Google's homepage about talking about how amazing these vaccines are. And so it's like, this is something where I worry you're going to have, okay, so they are mandating this for their, for their employees. May, no one has sued yet, but let's just take the federal government out of the equation. Disney is mandating it for all of their employees. Walmart is mandating it for all of their people at headquarters and the managers who travel and people who work in the hotspot areas, which is like what criteria are they using? It's probably completely arbitrary. These universities are doing it. What happens to the number of women who are, they're pregnant and they miscarry or something happens because the other thing, this is what I talked about this live stream I did last night. I think I named it, bring your tinfoil hat, you know, mm -hmm. but what's the CDC doesn't have on their website about the possible like side effects is something that has been so widely documented right now. It's not even controversial to say is that this impacts women's menstrual cycles. Is it women? Are, so Bridget Fetisi said she didn't have a period for like two months and she told her doctor about it. And her doctor's like, oh yeah, every, every woman I know has had something happen. And there's like thousands of, of women who've had it where they have super heavy periods or things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And what they know is that one of the side effects of the vaccine is this inflammation and, and women can cause a, what they call a modulated estrogen response. And that modulated estrogen response in a vacuum, if you like, cause there's other things that can do that is one of the things that can cause miscarriages. So, but my point is, is that this is super heavily curated information. I sound like a crazy person saying it where it's like, hey, we don't have any data on this. We should probably look out because you go to the CDC's website and they're like, you know, we don't really have any information, but there's no, but you know, this is a personal choice, but we still recommend it. We recommend it. So that's the information people are operating on is these compromised I institutions. Mean, to, to be really blunt, and I'm going to look like a heartless bitch saying this, but I don't care. I don't care. You want to know why? Because people have every opportunity to look into this. They have every opportunity. The information is out there. Like, what is it? Like 40% of people have not gotten this damn vaccine. Like, why haven't they gotten it? Like, like half of all healthcare providers haven't gotten this vaccine. Like, it's not as though the information is unavailable, but people have to look for it and they have to be discerning and they have to use their goddamn brains. And I'm sorry, if people take this vaccine and end up regretting it, well, congratulate, congratulations, you entered yourself in for a fucking Darwin Award. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, my, my patience for people who 
just don't bother to look into things at all, not even doing the barest little bit of research, not not trying to not not challenging their own confirmation bias to say, you know, maybe I should just look at sources that I might disagree with. Like, that's what I fucking did when I first started waking up is I said, maybe I should just listen to the opinions of people that I think are the worst possible people in the world just to see what they have to say. It's not like I have to agree with them. Let me just like hear them out and see what they have to say. And I did that and I found out, wait, these guys aren't really all that scary after all. Everyone can do what I did. Everyone can do this. It's just they have to make the choice to. And again, it's kind of like for all the people that I hear complaining about all of this ad nauseum every single day, there are so few people who are actually stepping up and doing anything about it that I'm kind of like, Maybe it needs to get worse before it gets better. Maybe you all need to find out that this vaccine conversation was totally fucked from the very beginning. Maybe your maybe your kids do need to have mental health effects from you sending them to school for two years wearing a goddamn mask over their face. Maybe they do need to suffer that for you to finally get in the game and say something. Because all of these people who are going to have like less than ideal outcomes from this entire situation, they've been sitting back and allowing it to happen Yep. for over a year and a half like and, and and again i understand i might sound really heartless in this equation but how much like how much rope do you want like yeah. how like how, how much rope do you want to hang yourself because you you've been pulling a lot of rope for the last year and a half you've been ignoring people like us that have been telling you that this is going on you've been vilifying us you've been canceling us you've been doing all this stuff like even I know I'm gonna bring it up even on the right every time I tell them this stuff every time I point out listen conservatives or progressives driving the speed limit as Michael Malice always says they'll give them two years they're gonna be completely in favor of critical race theory Christy Nome has now come out basically talking like a rhino she was their golden child for like a week and a half like even the right <laughs> is susceptible to this stuff right and it's like you try to tell them like no the daily wire is not the best source of information because ben shapiro yep. is just trying to protect his goddamn social status i'm sorry that's what he's doing he has no interest in looking into this stuff at all because all he's interested in doing is protecting this little this little um thing. reactionary bubble thing yeah it's this right yeah. reactionary bubble thing that they've cultivated for themselves like i i i truman i just i'm ceasing to have any sort of compassion for people who have been presented more opportunities than they damn well needed to look into this to think for themselves to consider other points of view to just be reasonable people for a second like if it needs to get worse for it to get better so be it then it has to get worse sure so let me clarify because i'm also about to sound really heartless or at least mm -hmm. um, not nearly as altruistic as i might have made myself seem here yes i am worried about the pregnant women i am worried about those things obviously mm -hmm. um what I'm saying is because those people won't do the research, won't do that, the pressure from their corporations, their businesses. So here's the progression. All right. Mm -hmm. Because of everything you just said, because people are ignorant and lazy and apathetic. Okay. It's just human nature. I'm like that. I can be just not in this area mm -hmm. right now. So because of that, they are going to, to comply. Compliance will be the, the norm. We're going to see yeah. more and more of that. Okay. So my main thing here I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm worried about the, the unintended consequences or the ignorance of the people who are getting this, okay? But I'm thinking long-term about us. I'm thinking about my wife, okay? I'm thinking about what, the, what happens whenever all of those ignorant people have yeah. complied and 
all that's left of society is a minority of holdouts like well, us. And they've hey. they, well, hold on, hold on. They've laid they have laid the foundation with these news articles mm-hmm. and with the this resentment they are manufacturing. They are they are turning this problem of the unvaccinated. They are sowing the seeds for this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they are, they're sowing the seeds right now, the problem of the unvaccinated, so that people are going to be ripe for a solution to be given to them for us. I'm thinking about us in this and what this is going to mean for us. If those people want to take those risks on themselves, that's fine. But like I've said before, if you want to piss in your own pool, that's fine. But these people are pissing in my pool. So I'm worried about what I'm going to be be put into as this underclass of society because of these people's ignorance, because of this curated information, because of the gated institutional narrative and the distributed information suppression complex. I'm worried about that because whenever we only have 20, 30% of the population as holdouts and you have, you know, that this super organized minority against this unorganized majority, by that point, enough people will have gone along with it that it's like, they're going to be like, yeah, let's just do what we have to do if these dregs are holding us back. So I, I'm not like the root of what I'm saying is really, I'm worried about my future and my wife's future and my, and my yeah. kids, you know? Hey, so, I've got, do you I've see got what a, I'm saying? I, I've got a solution for you. You can move to the free state of New Hampshire where we just banned uh, vaccine passports and mandates. Well, sure. Gonna- no, and I live in Wyoming. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm, that's, that's fine. But I'm saying that's for the time being. That's for the time being. I mean, I, I honestly, I think that's, I think that's the only solution for the problem right now is people have got to start manning up and either doing something to fight back or getting the F out. Like I, I have absolutely no fear at all that I'm going to be in a situation where I'm mandated to get a vaccine. I mean, maybe like the only thing that I'm really concerned about is like being able to fly, honestly, is, and as long as I can fly, I'm going to be fine. Um, And, but, but I live in New Hampshire. Like this has already been outlawed here. They, the governor signed the bill like last week. And so, I mean, if people are really worried about it when they get get thee to a libertarian state because again like people have got to start taking responsibility for their own experiences here like you live in wyoming you're going to be fine people who live in florida probably going to be fine people who live in texas i mean if people keep moving to california or from california to texas you know who knows what's going to happen there but like you know there are places that you can go and people have got to start taking like the like you know we can we can frame this in as many different ways as we like, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's just going to come back to personal responsibility for me. Like I live in a state where this stuff is going to be outlawed. I'm I've taken responsibility for that. I've taken personal responsibility for speaking up against these things when I think that it is important to do so, and speaking up in a way that I think is going to be most conducive to actually making progress. You're doing the same thing. If everyone out there was doing the same thing that you and I were doing right now, we would actually have no problem on our hands. But until people start taking personal responsibility, like I just don't see an end to this. And this is why I keep saying like the only way we have out of this is to wake up people on the left that's the only way out is to wake up more people on the left and right now the right is making that goddamn near impossible and so until they start like acting in a way that is is going to be helpful for the outcome they want i just don't know that there's a lot that we can do to help them so i so i want to ask you a question because i there is probably something here that i am misunderstanding yeah so we've talked about like the conservatives and like, you know, those, the, the ignorant conservatives who it's like, I'm going to sit on my porch with my gun and they're going to wake the sleeping giant, you know, and they don't, you know, you know what I mean? Right. And so those are the people who it's like this fundamentally naive 
um, that they think that they can avoid this or that it's not going to come for them eventually. So how would you separate what you just said about how you live in New Hampshire? I live in Wyoming, Mm -hmm. right? How is that not a macro, just a larger version of the sitting on your porch with your shotgun and saying that this isn't going to impact us because our state right now is okay? Like how, how are those two different thoughts? Um, because I think that, I think that, hmm, I, I, you know, fundamentally, I believe that we should be trying to return more power to state and local governments. I don't believe it should be exist on the federal level. I mean, that was the whole point of creating the United States of America was that like local and state governments had much more control and frankly, much more power. And so I don't actually think it's that yep. different. If we're working within this system in which, you know, we are advocating for, then we should be focusing on the state and local level. We don't, like, I don't want the federal government to have power over everyone all across the country, unless it's like, it makes sense for the national defense or things like that. So I do think it is a, it is a little bit different. I think that it's about making the conscious choice to work where you can be the most effective. And of course, there's things that, you, that, you know, both mm. you and I, and a lot of people can do for the national front as well. And I think, you know, part of doing podcasts like this or creating content or being out there, we're not just trying to have part in our local state conversation. We are trying to be uh, like more broad than that. But at the same time, you know, when I'm focusing on getting bills passed, it's going to be in the New Hampshire house that is going to be my first stop because that's where I'm able to have the most impact. I mean, fair enough. I think you're right. I still... I guess what I'm getting at is, is it still seems like, like we, we can't, and, and I, and I don't think we are based on exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. but that it would, we can't ignore the national implications of these things and like the cascade effect, because I'm thinking about like what happens when that day comes, like what, like th- so much of what I think about is just trajectories social trajectories, where are we going as a society? How sustainable is it? How tenable is this? How can we have a system of shared governance if these trends continue as a collective of states with, with these increasingly right. opposing values? And the, the, the thing that I, um, I think I put this on, on locals or, or on Twitter, I can't remember which, but where it's like the thought that I have in my head is fundamentally different religious beliefs can coexist Unless, unless one of them is, as part of its doctrine, is openly hostile against another one. So like mm-hmm. Sunnis and Shiites. Yeah. And so like we are increasingly in this situation where the left is, is this like as part of their orthodoxy and their tenets is adding a tenet that you have to be hostile to this, these irregular, these dregs, these unvaccinated, mm-hmm. uh, unwashed masses of society. And so I'm just thinking about like I said, even three, four months from now, but let's go six months from now. And, you know, and maybe, so again, processing out loud, maybe the way that this, like, if things get real, I know that for some reason, the word, and it's a stupid word that kids use, but I'm like, I think this fall is going to be lit in terms of <laughs> like the social, uh, the social conflicts and the te- and the erosions to the social fabric further ripping, but maybe that will have an impact on the tone of the 2022 midterms that, you know, like you said, maybe it'll wake enough people up that the people are elected are the ones who are like, we're not going to do this stuff. So I guess that's a possibility for sure. And I, and I think that kind of upside exists and is worth talking about. But either way, I'm thinking about just the sustainability of this kind of, okay, 
conservatives are, or anyone who's like, you know, center left or whatever, they're racist or misogynist or bigots. That's fine. Okay. That just means you're a bad person. Then January 6th, you're a terrorist, you're a terrorist sympathizer and you're a conspiracy theorist. And now with this stuff, you're an anti-vaxxer who's spreading the Delta space aids and is going to kill us. Like that makes, that gives a lot of people permission to do unspeakable things to the to the out group and, yes. and i'm in that group and so are you and so that's what i'm worried well, about yeah but again it's because that out group is not fighting back it's because this out group continues to try to play to try to play within the parameters that the left has set for them and i'm sorry yeah. this is their own goddamn fault they have every <laughs> fucking ab- i'm sorry i'm just going to be militant on this point they have every ability to do something differently and they continue to make excuses for why they can't and oh the left is going to say this the left is going to say that the left is going to say that other thing i'm sorry like put on your big boy pants and start acting like a goddamn adult just because the left says something just because they say you're a racist you're a white supremacist you're a, you're a you're a terrorist sympathizer you're any of these things doesn't mean you have to accept that and sure. i'm 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 just really getting tired of like accepting this as an excuse, accepting that you're afraid of being called a racist. Like it is 2021. This has been going yeah. on for how many years now where, yeah. where you were overtly called, everything is goddamn racist. Like, when are you going to get over your fear of being called a racist? Like, just stop, just stop worrying about it. And again, it's like, if you are not contributing something differently, is this is the lesson that I, I, I try and I feel like I bang my head against the wall trying mm. to teach this lesson to the right like all the goddamn time. If you are contributing in the same way over and over and over and over and over again and you're not changing your contribution, you're not changing how you're showing up, you're not changing what you're giving to the situation, you're not changing what you're saying, you're not changing how you're fighting back, you're not changing who you're talking to, you're not changing any of these things and you're expecting a different result that is the very definition of insanity and you're doing it at the same time that i'm sorry the right is vilifying anyone that is on the left like they call them names all the time they rip them down they rip me down for pointing out that they're behaving like idiots (laughs) like do you expect people to come onto your team or not because you're not behaving in a way that is conducive for anyone to join your team. In fact, what you're actually doing is driving away every new person that you got to vote for you in the 2020 election. Mm. You're actively driving them away. So do I really believe that they want a solution to this based on watching their behaviors? Because like, I, I'm, I, I don't listen to what people say. I don't care what, what you say most of the time. If your behaviors are not backing up the words that you're using, then I'm going to look at your behaviors first and foremost, and your behaviors will tell me what you want to happen in a situation. And I think we've talked about this before. If I haven't talked about it with you, I've talked about it with a million other people. The right (laughs) wants to lose. They want to lose. This is the only conclusion that I can draw based on their behaviors. And so if they're showing up in a way that is only going to lead to them driving people away, pissing people off, losing votes, losing support, if they're only supporting through their actions what the left is trying to do, then I can make no other assumption than than they want to lose and they want this to happen. Well, you know what? Sometimes we have to get what we want in order to realize that that's not really what we want. And again, like if if the right has to lose if the left wins seats in 2022, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I would sure. not be surprised at all. Same. And in fact, I I absolutely think that I would rather I would rather the right lose in 2022 than in 2024. Yeah. I would rather they learn a lesson. Now, are they mm-hmm. going to learn that lesson? Probably not. But it's their own damn fault. So, I the only 
addendum I would add or that I would make to the right ones to lose is I would say they're ambivalent to victory. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that they want to lose, but they show no interest in victory mm-hmm. and, and strategies that will lead to victory that it's like, they might not want to lose, but they don't want to win hard enough to make it happen. So it's like six, one hand, half dozen, the other, but I think those are, those are different things actively trying to sabotage your team like during a football game, if I'm a quarterback mm-hmm. and just I'm throwing interceptions on purpose is very different than being so disinterested in victory that I just suck. And I think that most people on the right are just ambivalent to victory because they haven't, they don't understand what's at stake because they think they can sit on their porch with their shotgun uh, basically. But maybe, okay. So then, so, so let's, so here's a question I have for you mm-hmm. because I agree and we talked about this last time that there are people on the left that have to be woken up. I think that there is a, a probably a symmetrical amount of people on the right that would fall in the same category for different reasons, but we don't have to go back over that, but let's, let's focus on the left and the potential converts or people who mm. could understand the stuff from the left. So in your mind, if you picture someone who is somehow still on the left still self-identifies a Joe Biden voter who, I mean, if you think about that person and just how they even conceptualize the pandemic, how they conceptualize George Floyd and and the riots and stuff, how they conceptualize the election, how they conceptualize January 6th. And again, let's just, just focus on the pandemic for a minute. Um, And, you know, they'll, these are the type of person who will probably say, Trump's bungled pandemic response without knowing exactly what they're talking about there. Um, What is the, if a person is still in that place, if they are still like a Jesse single or something like that, Sam Harris, if they're still in that place and everything to date has not been, you know, like they were on board with those. These are the people who are probably driving in the car by themselves with a mask on. (laughs) Right. So like, what do you see as the thing that's gonna, like, to me, that person is like, they're gone, man. They are really far gone. So I think something help me to, understand yeah. what you're seeing here with that group. That is, if you're still in that category and think about all the boxes they checked to still be in that category, all of the things they've ignored, all the things they went along with on the other side of that, mm-hmm. like, that's a pretty long list of like, are you serious? Are you like, all they because they've blew by so many red pill checkpoints for other people, right? There's yeah. a million red pill checkpoints that other people woke up at that they just blew by and were like, la la la, whistling through the graveyard. So, like, what is left that they, you know what I mean? Like, what what am I missing? How do we well, get those people then? So, I think the reality is that I don't have a whole lot of hope for someone like Jesse Single <laughs> or Sam Harris, to be honest. I'm going to tell sure. you why because I think it, it involves experiencing pain on some mm-hmm. level to wake up. I mean, look at, look at, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't follow Brett Weinstein as like closely as you do. So I don't know where he is on this journey, but it seems as though his YouTube channel getting demonetized may have caused him a little bit of pain and may mm-hmm. have like pushed him a little further down that red pill path that I think we're all hoping that he's going to take at some point. Um, yep. But it but, but like, I look at someone like Sam Harris, Sam Harris can run his mouth on the internet all day, every day, do whatever he wants to do. And he can, like, he's going to be fine. Like financially, he's going to be fine he like he's already got he's already established this is not like he has to break through or anything like he can do whatever he wants to and not experience pain and he can pretty well shield himself from the pain that like average people that like you and I 
would would experience in this regard. So I think in order to wake someone up, it requires them experiencing pain. And so what I'm seeing from just like, because I really preferred, I don't like focusing my energy on like influencers. I think it's like a lost cause, to be honest. But like, you know, if I'm talking to like just normal people, like, you know, I did the video the other day about these two women from New York City that they're experiencing pain. They, they're, you know, would consider themselves to be progressive or at least on the left. And they just want to send their kids to school. That's it. Yeah. And the, and the, the uh, New York city keeps moving the goalposts about when they're going to be able to send their kids back to school. And are they going to have to wear masks and things like that? They're starting to experience pain. And I think really for most people that are, that are still clinging to this idea that the Democrats are the good guys or the left are the good guys, they need to experience the pain that's going to come along with this. And that's why, like, I don't necessarily think it's um, a, a, like a bad thing that things are going to get worse. Is it going to suck for a little while? Yeah. But like for people like you and I, that we're, we're kind of insulated in our like communities, it'll probably suck a little bit less because we are in a a geographic place where it's going to be like, we are like more libertarian or conservative or what have you. Um, But sometimes people need to experience pain in order to push them back on the right track. And so I honestly think that the worse this gets, I actually think you know what? I'm going to say it. Like if they do another round of lockdowns, good. That's going to red pill a lot of Democrats. So let's, okay, let's talk about that because mm-hmm. pain is another, pain happens when you meet resistance, right? So I'm lifting weights and yeah. my, and I'm, as you're, or, you know, doing some kind of exercise, running, whatever you experience pain through the resistance you're meeting. Right. So mm-hmm. think about even just in, in a, a relationship, if you meet resistance with, you know, someone who you're, you know, have a conflict, conflict is resistance. Mm-hmm. So they say no and you're thinking yes or, you know, they say Chinese food whenever you're thinking Italian, that's resistance. So so pain comes from tension, comes from conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. So back to what you said earlier about how most people are ignorant and will just comply with this stuff. How many, so let's, let's, let's try to do some kind of, of charting out the, the numbers here. All right. Not we're not mm-hmm. use numbers, but we'll just say groups, portions of a portion of a portion, right? So you have people on the left still people, someone who's still in that category, let's take like my dad or someone who is just totally all in like, yeah, CNN's propaganda now. Thank God NPR and the New York times are still pure. <laughs> so, and you know, my dad's now back to wearing masks because of the Delta space aids, even though he's you fully vaccinated. Show your dad the article about NPR now allowing their journalists to be activists. Yeah, no, I saw, no, he would, he, he's, <laughs> I've sent him so many things. I'm like, hey, that's what I mean when I say NPR is intellectually bankrupt and he'll just be like a thumbs up emoji. Like it doesn't, <laughs> this is, this is like, this is, these are religious Bless conversations. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Yeah, these are, yeah, these are religious conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so we'll take, so we have a group of people who are inexplicably still on the left and still think, like you said, this is the the good guys. All right. Right. Uh, the vast majority of them will comply with these things. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's fair? Okay. Yes. Even within that group that will comply, um, we could say that a good portion of them, I don't know how many, but a good portion of them won't be happy about it. So if you're talking about lockdowns, mm-hmm. they won't be happy about it right? Yeah. Because this is, this is inhibiting their freedom. So this goes back to the thing I was saying earlier of that group. Who's not happy about it. How many of them are going to channel their frustration at the government and be red pilled? And how many of them who they've been seeing all these articles about the unvaccinated 
and the dregs who are spreading the and the Trump supporters and the conservatives are going to just channel that resentment towards us. Right. So my point is, is that I feel like the majority are going to comply and keep on this path and keep blowing by those red pill pit stops mm-hmm. of of that. There's still majority are not going to be happy about going into those lockdowns. But even within that, most of those people are either going to channel that frustration towards us um, or just stay oblivious or whatever. I, I think that most of them, uh, like what percentage are actually going to go? Yeah. Now I don't trust CNN and NBC and, you know, and the CDC. Now I don't, you know what I mean? So I, I think that probably a really lo- small percent. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that if lockdowns happen again, it will be a thing that will have a visceral reaction, but I think they're already priming the population to channel that resentment to us, man. Probably. So I don't see that as a red pill thing. I see that as like, a blood red thing, you know? I, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with the premise, Truman, but at the same time, it's kind of like, we can only, how I how I kind of approach this stuff is like, I can only control what I'm putting into it and you can mm. only control what you're putting into it. And we can't, like, I, I don't want to spend my, and this might be like an overtly selfish thing. I don't want to spend my days worrying that people are going to hate me because I didn't get a shot in my arm that they wanted me to get when I barely leave my house when I'm home anyway. Like, I'm just not going <laughs> to, like, I'm just not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to spend my time worrying about that. It just doesn't make sense to me. Could that be a, an eventual reality? Well, sure. But worrying about that is just going to distract me from focusing on what I want to focus on, which is like, you know, fighting back against critical race theory and building stuff to do that and building community to do that and all that stuff it's just going to be distracting from the larger issues sure. so um i don't necessarily disagree with you that i think absolutely the populace could be primed to turn against the the people who are on un- the unvaccinated dregs of society we're going to be like demolition man living down in the sewers before too long <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time it's kind of like Again, this is their own damn fault. And at some point, there's not my fault and it's not your fault. That's my point. No, but it is their fault. Yeah. 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 But it's going to be projected to us. That's what I'm saying here. But we're already going to be projected to us. Yeah, but we're already going to be in a more advantageous. um, Oh, my God. We're already going to be in a more advantageous position anyway. Because we t- we we have taken responsibility for our contribution. We've taken responsibility for our life, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So then back to the original question that I asked you, or just the pile of crap that I dumped on you that's not even a question. Um, so help me understand where I'm seeing this as like the immediate thing because of when a lot of these mandates are coming into effect, it's like by September 30th, you know, a lot of these places, it's like you have 60 days to do this. Right. Um, so it seems to me we're going to hit a threshold of this being like the, the boiling point where like, this is going to reach an impasse um, a lot sooner than CRT will. I think this is going to reach a thing where it's like, I, I use this example from, have you ever seen the movie Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell and Dustin Hoffman? I don't think I did actually. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay, so it's an amazing movie. It's one. Of it's I think it might be my favorite movie of all time. And uh, so Will Ferrell is this guy who his life he realizes he's just a boring accountant. He works for the IRS and he starts hearing his life being narrated, and he realizes he's in a story. And so Dustin Hoffman is this literature professor that agrees to help him, and he says, "You need to figure out if you are the one driving the story or if someone else is driving the story." 
So he says, you need to stay at home, do nothing, and see if the plot finds you. If something happens to you that's going to force you to react, then that will tell us if you're the one in control or something else is in control. Mm -hmm. So I give these examples of when the plot is going to find us, of something that is going to force a reaction. Uh, Social Security becoming insolvent is one of them. If if the uh, if this the weightlifter the transgender weightlifter in the Olympics wins all the golds that's going to be one of them that's going to force a response I think um, some type of student loan bubble that's going to force a response this if this vaccination mandates with these corporations happening and like when the deadlines and what happens if people if too many if so many people do it and there's only a small minority left the plot's going to find us because it's like what do we do about those people. And then if a bunch of people say no, that's good. The plot's going to find us. It's going to be, what do we do about all these people saying no? So then do we enforce it or do we backpedal? My point is, so what I'm asking you is like this, the vaccine stuff and the mandates seem like they are way more immediate. Like they are right now. And the reaction to them is, is going to be right now. And that, that fight and what's basically what's going to happen with this is going to have an answer and going to reach a, a, um, some type of inflection point a lot sooner than what's going to happen with CRT just because of it has like these, these tangible dates and times like attached to it. Maybe. And so, so does that make sense? So that's why I'm thinking about it in terms of that and why it's like become the thing on the front of my mind. And where I say they're both part of the underlying ideology of the same thing. It's authoritarian top-down control, central planning of the lives of the citizenry. Right. But this thing, it seems like this, the, the mandates and the new, and like you said, lockdowns, potential lockdowns, I think they're priming us for more lockdowns. I I think you're exactly right. Um, That seems like it's going to reach an inflection point a lot faster than the CRT fight is. So that's why it's there. So, I mean, tell me, what do you think about that? If I'm wrong, why, if I'm not, then like, no, you might worry you, you, what do you think is going to happen? It doesn't worry me because I think that things need to get worse before they get better. To be honest, that's that is the main reason why this doesn't worry me at all is that I think I think that this is all part of the same fight. I don't think whether whether or not it's like they get to the vaccine stuff first or they get to the CRT stuff first or they get to something else first. For me, this is all part of the same fight. This is all part of like, I agree. You know, all of this is is about, you know, controlling the populace, getting the populace to a place where they will comply with any order the government gives them, thank them for their handout and their UBI and, and whatever else the government gives them at the end of the day. I think that's what all of this is about. And frankly, creating a populace that's too stupid to be able to challenge and fight back. I mean, yeah. the CRT fight is is a much bigger picture simply because it involves the school system. And so that's 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 not a fight that that that's like a slow burn sort of thing. Where I, I do agree with you that this vaccine thing has a much uh, bigger chance of blowing up in our faces a lot sooner. But I actually think that that's a good thing. Sure. I think it's a good thing. I think it's I think accelerationism in this capacity is a good thing because I think that the more you um, life is about balance, right? So if things go too far in one direction, that's going to cause a reaction on the other on the other side. And so if if um, imposing restrictions and mandates and taking away freedom and taking away liberty and telling people they can't run their businesses and telling people they can't work and telling people they can't travel and doing this, that, and the other thing is going to, is going to, if that is going to incite the populace to actually start standing up for themselves and fighting back, then I actually think that that's a good thing. And, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot about a lot of these issues just on a spiritual level first, before I think about it in terms of like human practical terms. And in the, in spiritual circles, there's, there's this idea of like, how far will a, a, like a, a person be pushed 
before they learn how to self-empower themselves? How far will they be pushed before they start expressing themselves? How far, like, how far does it have to go? And I think what we've seen in the past several years is that, frankly, it has to go pretty effing far for a lot of people. And so if I believe, as I do, that people are not going to stand up for themselves until they're pushed to a certain point, then let's push them off that cliff. Let's push their back against a wall. It's a situation they've created for themselves. No one's done it to them. They've done it to themselves. So let's just get there quicker and at least get the resolution quicker. And and again, like it might be painful in the interim, but it needs to be painful in order for people to start changing their behaviors. Like moving through cognitive dissonance is painful. It can be, phys- it's emotionally exhausting. It can actually be physically painful. But um, like if the pain that, the government or whoever else is causing you is more painful than the pain you're going to experience from moving through cognitive dissonance, which is what you need to do to take the red pill, then that's the only way that you're going to take the red pill. So fine, let's cause some people some pain. But they have an out against the pain in the form of compliance and people are opting. No, they don't. What are you talking about? There'll always be another thing. Well, no, but- once you bend the right. one thing, there will always be another thing after that and, and another thing after that. Totally. But my point is, is that even that pain, because of the way information is curated, is that they are given a different, a target from which to aim that re- resentment and the source of their, like, they, yeah. you know, it's that, that thing that uh, the, these people are arsonists disguised as firefighters. And so, like, the, the policymakers here, and so they're, they're helping curate and like foster this thing where it's like you're gonna you're like you said people are experiencing that pain pain creates a response but if they're being told what to do what like if they're already being primed of where to channel their response then it doesn't create change um at least not good change so but so then let's go back to so the if you remember the so the question i asked during the q a at the, in tampa was i asked about um, risk and risk management and understanding your risks and gambling. So something you said kind of resonated with me. You said people are too stupid, you know, or, or they just don't know. They're not educated enough to know like what they're gambling with or, or their freedom and, and, and what, what's going on. So the question I asked James was about how like, so in thinking fast and slow, uh, Kahneman and Tversky talk about how people are risk seeking if they don't perceive that they have much to lose and they're risk averse if they do perceive they have a lot to lose. And right now people do not think they have much to lose in terms of giving up uh, essential liberty for little temporary safety. So they're willing to gamble heavily with liberty, but it's not just their liberty. It's Mm -hmm. our liberty. And they're willing to gamble heavily with it to get this false sense of safety from the you know lockdowns or whatever thing. So how do we get people? Because I agree with you when you say this is fight is the same fight. Mm-hmm. CRT, this thing, climate activism, whatever you want to call it, like all of this stuff is the same fight. It's freedom versus tyranny, independence versus having your life planned out for you. Like, so I you're right. You're absolutely right. So how do we get bring? I mean, maybe this is the question is how do we strip the um specifics of some of these fights away to get to the central root of it for people to where it's like 
freedom is way more preferable. Yes, it comes with risk. You have a higher chance of failure. You have a higher chance of, of harm, you know, with freedom, but it is way better than the alternative, which is we're all equally destitute, miserable, and in servitude. Mm-hmm. So how do we get to the root of that then, whether it's with the vaccine stuff and the mandates and lockdowns or the CRT thing or anything else, how do we bring, like, help foster a population that returns to this place where they understand the necessity of liberty, they understand the desirability of freedom and liberty over their own lives over having it dictated to them? Because we're talking about just a huge cultural shift that's going to be required. Yeah to get there. I mean, is the answer still, it has to get worse before it gets better. I mean, I, there's, yeah, it has to be, I, I mean, I think you're right generally, but like, even just in practical terms, like how do we conceptualize that fight and, and bring it back to that in like simplest terms? The only way it's going to get better is if it gets worse first. That's it. The only, and, and I, and that's not the answer that you want. And I know that's not the answer that people want, but the, the, like, we can't force people to wake up. We can't right. force people to see information that they don't want to see. We yeah. can't force people to consider perspectives they don't want to consider. We can't force people, if they are if they are committed to listening to everything CNN and MSNBC and NPR and the New York Times tells them, that's th- that is their choice. The only thing that we can control is what we're giving to the situation, is in making podcasts like this and making content like this in terms of having conversations. That is all that we can control. And we have to hope that we inspire other people to do the same thing, to be having these conversations with their friends and family, to be um, to be making content themselves, to be doing all these things. That is literally the only thing that we can control. And if we are going to place our metric of success on how many people did we you know, wake up today, that's not that's not going to be a successful thing because mm. we, we don't have control over that right. aspect. The only thing that we can control is what we're giving to the situation. And, you know, that doesn't mean that. I mean, this has been going on for decades. They've been so, doing this for decades. They play right. this so slow and we can't expect that we can turn it around and, and just drop some truth bombs and that <laughs> people are going to wake up from it. Right. Because people have been primed for decades of their lives to be asleep. It's like in yeah. They Live. What happened in They Live when when the woman put on the sunglasses for the first time? She kicked his she kicked Roddy Piper's ass out of her apartment because she was so freaked yep. out. But yep. then she came around later, right? That's the that movie has the great. Uh, it's time I've I've come to to kick ass and to chew bubble gum and I'm and all out of gum. Yes. Uh, bubble gum, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so fair enough. I agree with you. Two things that are just questions, right? So the yeah. first thing is. We can we can only contribute we can only control our contribution to it okay mm-hmm. but our contribution has to be oriented towards a specific goal so that was my question is like like how do we how do we most efficiently orient the contribution towards the most likely goal or towards the most practical <laughs> goal or the most effective goal so that's the first thing and the second thing is about that if it has to get worse before it gets better, which I agree with you, I agree with you. And that's why some of this accelerationism stuff I do agree with. That's why like when someone, I think it was Boyce was like, yeah, well, this is bad to have these people at the Olympics. I'm like, no, but we need it. We need it because it'll accelerate the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you, but that whole, it has to get worse. There's a threshold to whatever that worst thing it gets to becomes irreversible. Mm-hmm. It becomes irreversible. So how do we embrace the idea of it has to get worse before it gets better while still understanding the point where it's like, if it gets to this point, there is no getting better in our lifetime. 
So to go, to protect against that and to orient that contribution in such a way that it's cognizant of those things. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. there, there has, there is some specificity there that I'm, that I'm trying to figure out um, because I don't know what the answer is, but I know that there is, that's part of it. So again, I'm sorry. I'm just like working a lot of this stuff out yeah. in my head. Um, I don't, I don't think things are going to get better in either of our lifetimes. Hmm. I don't, that's not the fight that we're in. Because again, like this, this started decades ago. This started. Talk, talk about that. Yeah. Well, talk, this talk started about like, if, if we're thinking about like, this started like what, like 50, 60 years ago, something like that, where like in earnest, these ideas were starting to be pushed in the education system. So we now have, you know, several generations of people who have gone through the education system learning these ideas. These ideas have been percolating. And, um, and now it's like, it's like, they've been, pro- you know what it is? It's like War of the Worlds. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Well, it was obviously based on like a book and then a play and all this stuff, but like, like the movie with Tom Cruise in it, which I actually thought was a really good movie. So, so. And Robbins, not my blood, not my yeah. blood. Yeah, no, that was a good, it was a, that was a kick-ass movie. And yeah. so, but, but like, so the whole part, premise of War of the Worlds, right, is that aliens, decades, eons, who knows how long ago, like buried these machines on earth that then we built up all these cities around and they've been sitting there for decades and decades and decades. And then all of a sudden, one day, the alien being shoots down on a bolt of lightning, gets into the machine, they come up from the ground and they start killing everything and everyone. And there's like nothing that we can do against it because they had laid the plot to do this for decades. That is literally what we're dealing with right now they laid this plot decades ago they buried the machines we built up entire systems around the machines we protected the machines we coddled the machines we made sure that the machines were taken care of until they needed them and now they've ridden out on their bolts of lightning they're in the machines the machines are starting to wake up and they're going to start killing everyone that is the situation that we are in this is not a problem that was created overnight it is not a problem that will be destroyed overnight. And I think that, you know, I mean, like, part of the thing that's so challenging about all of this is that I think that, A, I think that we need to become, we need to become comfortable fighting, like in that space, and setting our, um, setting our, our goals, based on the, setting our expectations based on the idea that this is not a problem that is going to be solved in our lifetimes. It's just not. It's too big. It's been going on for too long. It's too ingrained. And so if we build our expectation around like this is going to be solved next week or next month or next year, like we're, we're lost at that point. So I There's don't think- There's a difference I, between so, expecting it's going to be solved and attempting to ad- address it. I don't think it's going to be solved anytime soon either. Well, I'll, I'll tell you when it's, it's not going to be solved anytime in the next three years, three and a half years. It's not going to be solved until bare minimum or like, we're not going to have any progress on this until bare minimum 2024. What do you Uh, think? 2025, actually January, 2025 at the absolute earliest. What's your, your current, like, how do you see, do do you think, so one thing that here's something that confused me. Mm -hmm. So when the CDC came out like three or four days ago and said vaccinated people are shedding just as much of the virus as unvaccinated. I was astounded that they admitted that. Because they so, can. Well, they don't, they didn't have to say that at all. 
They could have just ignored it like they did with the menstrual cycle stuff they with can. the side effects. Of course they can. Do, do the people that need to hear that, are they even registering that reality? Most well, of them? And, and w- no, and when CNN covered it, it's hilarious. So the way CNN wrote the article was uh, new data <laughs> highlights the need to get vaccinated now more than ever. And I'm like, no, I mean, it's, it's not it's what like it does at all, CNN, actually. It's like, <laughs> it's like when NPR wrote the thing about how the inflation shows how great our economic growth is. I'm like, that's that's a non sequitur. That is not how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, so fair enough. But what's your, what do you think the information landscape is going to look like? So, because a lot of this also comes down to that, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of people waking up. So just kind of the thing I mentioned earlier about the CDC and some of the stuff around vaccines, but I mean, you can take it on any topic. And you mentioned Brett uh, getting demonetized. Um, I don't know if you saw, so here's one thing that's, that is encouraging that Dave Rubin, um, that locals, did you see locals is like you and rumble are merging basically. I, I saw that. I don't know. Like I trust Dave implicitly, but I went on rumble last night. So I, I have a rumble channel and I kind of started ignoring it because they don't monetize anything. And like, it's a pain in the ass to upload anything on it. And I don't even understand how that website works to begin with. So Dave announced this thing and I was like, ah, shit, I gotta give rumble another shot because I basically been ignoring it. I went back on rumble and it's exactly the same thing as it always was. So I don't have like, as of right now, unless rumble makes some major changes, it is a shitty interface on a shitty platform that doesn't like that that is just like I don't even understand how to use it from a user perspective let alone from a content creator perspective um they don't even have any sort of like importer built from YouTube so it's going to be an extra step for me to put content on there anyway I don't know I don't know about that whole thing um maybe if they improve dramatic even just from a user perspective it is a shitty platform I'm sorry I'm sorry Dave but it is a shitty platform currently um as of August 1st 2020 so maybe it'll improve but I don't see Rumble taking over YouTube in its current form at all. Totally. So, I mean, my, my what I was getting at is, is that, the, and I literally have never even been on it, so I don't know. My yeah. understanding of what they're doing there is that Rumble is going to be, the, the synthesis is, is that Rumble gets the framework for uh, subscription and like monetization stuff. So that's where you get the monetizing from is from locals. Rumble ain't monetizing shit. So. No, no, but they're using the, they're basically using locals as a version of Patreon for their Rumble stuff. So people, they I keep guess. people, you can monetize your Rumble account and the infrastructure is there through locals. And locals is getting Rumble servers. So they don't have to be on AWS servers anymore. Oh, but that's, that's just another thing. On. Okay, that makes yeah, more sense. So, yeah, but my point, and I think they're probably going to use Rumble to for this like locals tv stuff they're wanting to do yeah but anyway i'm thinking about the information landscape and what do you think the information landscape is going to be because here's the other part and why i bring up the vaccine stuff is because the u.s is encouraging and they're encouraging all these people to get this experimental vaccine they've already made it to where no pharmaceutical company can be sued for any you know anything that happens from from these experimental vaccines okay fair enough um, but what happens whenever they do realize that, that the side effects are way more widespread than they'd originally documented? Again, I'm thinking about women's reproductive systems. Specifically, someone told me something about uh, inflammation in young men's uh, cardiovascular system, but I haven't seen anything about that. So I will just say, I don't know about that. But this other thing I do like see a lot of red flags about. 
So what happens with the information landscape in terms of all of a sudden you have all these women that are like, okay, I'm permanently screwed up or I, you know, and, but my point is, is that they're not going to come out and say, yeah, we effed up guys. They're going to, and especially these, because unless there's something right now to keep the company. So here we know the pharmaceutical companies are protected, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're Google and you mandate that your employee has to take it in order to work there, that's a form of coercion. Can the employee sue Google? So now Google, who is the information distributor, is in a position where they have to suppress the information about any of these things. So I'm just, I'm also thinking about the information landscape. Well, no, because how... the government's helping them too, because there was a moment where OSHA was saying that if you, if your employer mandated you get a vaccine and you got hurt from that, that you could file workers' compensation. So there was a moment where the government was like, uh, they were, they were trying to hold the employers responsible. And that moment quickly subsided when OSHA's like, oh, we're not going to enforce this rule until 2022. So again, I have to come back to like the only solution to this is personal responsibility. And if people get hurt as a result of listening to an employee, and by the way, like, listen, like I turned down a $20,000 training job because they were mandating the vaccine. Like, wow. I, like I'm sorry. Like, and, and it wasn't even a hard decision for me. It was like, no, you don't get to tell me to make a medical decision for three hours of my time, because that's literally when we're going to be in contact. It's three hours of my time. Everything before that is prep. Everything after that is just debrief. Like, you don't get to mandate my my medical choices for that. And it yep. wasn't even even like it, it didn't even cross my mind to say, well, maybe I can just go get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and it will be fine. No, just no. You don't get to mandate yeah. that. And until people start standing up for themselves and saying no, then. They get what they get. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that people didn't look into it. I'm sorry that people, if it, if it affects women's fertility, like I, I barely even want to have a kid. And yet I've somehow brought myself to look up information to, to confirm about whether or not it would impact my ability to do so. Right. Yeah. If people are not making these bare minimum like efforts to, to even just use their common sense Truman and say like, these, these vaccines have not been in development long enough for, there, for it to even be known the yep. impact on pregnancy or the impact on fertility or the impact on children once they're born. Like we have no idea simply because there has not been time. If people are not willing to exercise that basic level of common sense, then nothing can do it for them. Right. And so again, I have to say, like, this comes down to people exercising personal responsibility. And as much as people like you and I might want to, you know, take this pain away from them sure if they don't experience it first i really think that's the only way that's going to wake people up is to experience some level of pain did you notice in your research i noticed this that whether it was the cdc's the freaking cdc cdc's website to bring it back to the critical theory or any of these articles every single article i found that talked about this it was always pregnant persons Really? Ne never pregnant women, always of pregnant course. persons, in including on the CDC's website. I'm like, this is serious. Like, just we're just going to make all these changes here. Mm -hmm. Pregnant persons, not, pre not you know, we're just going to continue to eliminate women as a class of, of people. And if you, did you see that the AMA, the American, oh, American Medical Association, about how taking gender off of or yep. se sex, taking sex off of birth certificates? That's so um, stupid. 
What do you think about that, man? I mean, even just, and, and what did you find whenever you're researching that about the potential risk to fertility, which bully for you on actually doing that research yourself? Well, I mean, and again, it's like, it's like we're it's, refining the same type of stuff I was finding about the the disruptions to menstrual cycles and stuff. I mean, what no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't find any of that. I mean, I think the, like my basic, my, like where I'm at is like, that there's just no information on it. I kind of yeah. like where my research stopped and ended was there's no information on this. They haven't been researching it long enough for there to be information on it. And I'm not putting like, like I, like I'm a woman of a certain freaking age. If I try to get pregnant now, it's going to be harder for me. And so am I going to like, like mess around with that at all? Further complicate it. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes like, again, this is just like basic common sense. And it's, and again, I might sound like a heartless bitch for saying it this way, but I'm sorry, you want to bring a child into this world and you can't do basic math to know that a vaccine Mm. that hasn't even been in development for a year, there's not going to be research on it. You just lack street smarts at that point. And you probably shouldn't be raising a kid (laughs) anyway yeah it's like i mean this is just like look at a calendar man like just look at a calendar that's literally like count the number of months that's literally all you need to do and so i don't know it's it's like okay hang on what was the question where did i start on this rant from I asked you about, well, one about did if you found about, saw anything about the disruptions yeah. to menstrual cycles, which were, I if you not, specifically type me. in COVID-19 vaccine uh, side effects, menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. you'll, or menstruation, you'll find that. Mm-hmm. And there is, I'm surprised, but there, it's just nonstop. And so it's like, this isn't, this is not hidden to your point yeah. about this is out there. People look. But the other thing, as I said, what do you think about finding where it's six pregnant persons? Oh, pregnant that people, was the other one. That was eliminating one. women once again, you know, as a distinct, you know, person. Well, but it's this just, is it's immoral. No, I mean, but this is the broader level, like like cultural issues that I think people should be really worried about. I mean, and if you look at like so cults, they try to eliminate gender. If you look at like there are all these documentaries about like the Heaven's Gate cult that came out last year, and so I watched all of them because I'm like fascinated by cults. And like one sure. of the things that the Heaven's Gate cult tried to do is eliminate gender from like they had everyone really? dressed the same. Oh yeah, they they were not they were they eliminated all gender by the end of that cult. By the time they all like killed themselves and went to join the spaceship in the sky. And so this is something that you see cults doing. And so does it surprise me at all? No. Because they're trying to make everyone like, you know, fit into this 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 like hive mind sort of thing that they're developing and that's the scariest part of all the woke stuff and critical race theory and like however we want to call it like this like far left ideology is they're trying to hmm, they're trying to eliminate everything that makes us who we are right yeah, every individual thing every individual thing every and i think part of the the reason that we have trouble fighting back is that we don't know what success looks like in this scenario like um like my my supposition for what success looks like is that we we want to develop a color in different society based on individualism and meritocracy but i don't know how many people buy into that idea or even if it's like like you know part of the the reason that i think the right just backlashes against the left all the time is they don't have a vision for what success looks like for themselves or what type of world they want to create or how they want to you know how they want to support people how they want society to evolve and so i think that they get stuck into this trap of like you know everything the left does is wrong because we don't have an alter- we don't have a vision that we can call our own um and maybe i mean maybe the vision is that it's this color in different society based on individualism and meritocracy I don't know. I mean, what do you think success looks like in this in this arena? Well, to his credit, I think is Sam Harris is the one who originally said that um, 
about the color and different society is he, he said he would like to get to a place where color, we think about skin color the same way as we think about hair color. Mm-hmm. You notice it, but it has no bearing on how you view that person. Right. Natural hair color, you know, green haired, you know, radical feminist or, or blue haired is, is a different thing, but where, where he says, yeah, you notice it, but it's just like, that doesn't impact, you know, anything you don't, it doesn't right. change how you view them as a, as a person. What do I think success looks like? I mean, is what I said, where I think people have to see liberty as being direct, freedom is directly tied to their life outcomes. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't see freedom as being directly tied to their life outcomes, then they're not going to value freedom. This yeah. is a chapter. So Kevin and I just got done recording for our next Road to Serfdom one. And Hayek, this is where this dude is so brilliant. He talks about how uh, in a planned society, security becomes the main currency that people deal in. And it's and security is like granted to people and when secure by these elites by the you know it's a privilege that's given by the planners and whenever security becomes that thing people will readily give up all types of liberty in order to get that because that's the main currency is security and so we need to get to a place where people see their their life outcomes as being directly tied to their own freedom and their own liberty i think that's what success looks like in the long term in the short term it looks like uh, not being, you know, run out of town by a, by a mob with pitchforks and torches because I'm unvaccinated. Um, that's, well, again, you, you and I live in places where we right, probably right. won't happen and because we've totally. taken responsibility to live in those places. Now, I like, I feel sincerely bad for everyone that lives in a city, but the city, like, and honestly, like I said this from the beginning with, um, with like the whole defund the police thing, I thought that what needed to happen was that there just needed to be one urban police force to quit just all on the same day and just be like, F you guys, we're not coming in. You want to defund the police? Fine, you have no more police. And they all just quit. And I think the whole defund the police initiative would have been over in like a month if one urban police force had just done that. Like in Chicago or LA or New York, yeah, it would have sucked for people in those cities. But again, sometimes we have to have a little pain to to put us on the right track well well, this goes to the information thing because even cnn and npr and msnbc have run multiple articles about the crime spikes in these cities right you know they're not hiding the information but people are so dedicated to their ideology like there's i mean this goes to exactly what you're saying about how people have to experience pain another way of saying that is they have to experience the consequences of their decisions Mm -hmm. they have to see a connection between i chose a a caused reaction B. I don't like reaction B, so I should probably quit choosing A. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're not seeing that. And this is where it's these what, what they call the champagne socialists, where it's like, yeah, defund the police. Who does that hurt? The inner city. They don't live in that part of town. They right. live in gated communities where they have private security forces, so they can advocate for these moronic policies because they don't impact them. Mm-hmm. They don't impact them. So anyway, so so here's my that that's what I think about that but my final my final question you know to you uh, is because i don't know i mean i I assume we'll probably talk within the next two weeks or before school starts but i want to be certain thing about this is so scott adams has this i think the thing he says which is great where he says if you want to know if your paradigms are right or not make predictions make -hmm. predictions you can measure whether or not they're right or not so i would like to start trying to make some predictions of what like September, October is going to look like in terms of when school's in session for K through 12 and for universities. 
because right now we're, it feels like we're in like a calm before the storm because people are able to stay segmented, right? You're the, the unvaccinated, the vaccinated and the masked and the unmasked or whatever are only like intermingling at the, at the grocery store or on the sidewalk. But whenever they're sending their kids to those places or when your universities that are acquiring this stuff, we're going to see a real rubber meets the road, like conflict happening here, a butting of heads. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you think, what do you think that's going to look like, you know, okay. like practically once these, these ideas and the people who oppose them, especially in institutions that have been largely captured? Um, in the next so, couple of months, like, what do you think? So all? I wanted, I want to take the university question separate from like the K through 12 schools, because sure. I think that those like, so K through 12 schools are compelled, like people have to go to those things. I actually think the university question is going to be interesting in that. So a lot like, so a lot of universities, and so people, people sometimes when they think of universities, they only think of like the Harvards or the Princetons or the Yales, like these, these universities that have more money than God that will be around forever. But most universities are not like that. Most universities are heavy, are in heavy, heavy, heavy debt because they spent the last 10, 15 years building up their campuses to look like these luxury hotels and they financed mm. all of this through debt. Right. So what yep. did they need to do in order to to do that? They all had had to try to recruit students. We're getting more competitive with each other. We're investing. I mean, I cannot even tell you how 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 ex- exorbitant some of the university investments into like marketing and branding and like these fancy admissions brochures and all these things are because they were trying to recruit more students in order to um, balance out this massive debt load that they took on. Right. So this has been going on for like 10, 15 years. And actually there was a guy out of Harvard named Clay Christensen who predicted, I want to say around 2010, 2011-ish, that like half of the universities in the country were going to go out of business within the next 10 years. Well, guess what? Now we're getting to that place and universities are telling people if if you're not vaccinated, GTFO. Like, so they're giving up all that tuition money. And by the way, a lot of them are doing this like hybrid thing now where they're doing like online versus on campus stuff. So they're losing that revenue as well. I actually think that, listen, I actually think this could accelerate the demise of the universities. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but we'll see how many people actually choose to comply, what their admissions rates look like. This is not like an easy fix, right? It would take several years of decline. I mean, we can look at like Evergreen State College and know that a university that has declining admissions, they don't just close overnight, right? It's a it's a trajectory of several years of the numbers just going down and down and down and down and down. But I think that we're we're starting to hit this place where I think a lot of people are questioning the value of the university, particularly when they're doing this online learning thing. So you don't even need to be there on campus anyway. So why, like, why are we paying tens of thousands? I mean, the tuition rates of some of these universities, Truman, have you looked at university tuition rates lately? Like, it's insane. We're talking like, like 50, 60, 70, $80,000 for a year at a university. It's, it is unbelievable it is unsustainable. And so you add in this other factor where you're going to be driving students away if they don't want to get a mandated vaccine. I think we're going to start seeing universities close. And I think that that's a really good thing. Now, K through 12 is a totally different thing, but I do think that, um, I think the homeschool industry is good at like any business that's investing in the homeschool industry. I think those businesses are going to start booming. I do. We'll see. 
But that's what I think is going to happen. I think that that the more that they try to mandate and force this stuff on people, the more we're going to see people opting out of what they believe like the traditional system to be. And I don't actually think it would take that many over the course of, you know, the next couple of years for people to start to say, oh, maybe this wasn't such a good idea to begin with. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. Well, sure. Eric Weinstein calls the, um, he, he makes these really great acronyms, uh, that the model of higher ed, he calls it the ego as an embedded growth obligation. It has, it has an obligation to continue to grow at an unsustainable rate in order to exist. Um, and so you're right. I'm interested if you can find that study about the guy talking about the university's going out of business. I'd be interested to see that. Yeah. Clay Christensen, he wrote a whole book about it. Clay Christensen. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think with the higher ed, if students are attending online, you know, I think a lot of the money I've seen this at, so the university of Wyoming in Laramie and the, my alma mater in Missouri, you know, they had entire dormitories over the, before COVID even happened entire dormitories where they didn't use them for a, like for a school year because their enrollments were down. Um, so, you know, I think a, a, one of the biggest parts of tuition is housing is food and housing mm-hmm. is where they discharge you, you know, completely out the ass, these exorbitant rates, like you said. Um, so that'll be interesting to, to see my, my only concern there is, is that that just further hermetically seals those institutions as where anyone who is sane or rational has now opted out of the credentialing process. And so then the only people being credentialed now are people that are probably activists or that are super far left because they've just given one more tangible way to, for them, for people who don't want to get on board with this stuff to opt out, mm-hmm. to self select out. I mean, so, so that's a problem. We've already seen where like conservatives um, are like, they can't get PhDs, for example. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Carlin? Yeah, it's a little janky, okay. but I can hear you. Sorry, I said my internet was unstable and like your face was frozen. <laughs> no, I can hear you. You're okay. good. Um, where conservatives were already, so like they, it's hard for them to get PhDs. And so someone like, you know, Ben Shapiro would say, you know, just shut up and say what they want you to say so you can get the degree and get out of there and then you can say what you want to do. But there's already like a really, it's it's a huge self-selection process for people who are not activists and not like on board with this stuff to make it through the system. And so by adding this, it's going to add one more layer of self-selection for them to opt out of it. And which again, makes it where, what, what happens, you know, in four or five years, six years when the only doctors are people that are complete are total activists or the only engineers are people that are total activists or the only neurosurgeons or the only, you know, any of these things, astrophysicists are, are credentialed. The only people that are credentialed that are coming out of these places are, don't know anything. And uh, so, so, but I think in the short term, that's an interesting question to look at. And it does create opportunity for places that don't believe this crap and don't want to do this crap Mm -hmm. to spring up. So, so there is that. One of the things that I told uh, someone in my locals community was that asked a question because I was in Montana this last week and uh, they were said they were, 
going to be moving to Montana? And I said, yeah, I think that we, we need people to move to places like Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, Utah, so that we can have one that's going to increase the state representatives in those places. And we need rival cities. We don't have, there are cities that don't exist yet. They're going to rival these, these leftist like hive minds, uh, metropolitan areas. And so we, we need those things. And out of those places, we'll get competing institutions and competing universities. So there's that, but I think that you're right to make a distinction between the uni public university and, and, uh, and K through 12. What the K through 12 one is one I'm really going to have my eyes on. Yeah. Because my prediction is we're going to see violence break out between parents. We I already think have. That there's, well, I'm saying it's going to get worse, but yeah. that, I mean that because they're going to be forced into the same place. So here's like the question of like, what happens when fall sports start up again? What, and this is one you can't include college in what happens with college football, mm -hmm. where it's like, you have people that want to go to the games. It's like, well, because if the university area has it in place for the students and the faculty have to be vaccinated, who's to say they're not going to put those mandates on, you know, the people to attend these sporting events, you know, you got something right. like the SEC where this is a big business. Now maybe green will be the thing that matters most and they won't do it. I don't know. But with high schools, it's like, what happens when it's like, I want my kid to, to participate on the football team or, you know, or whatever. And they're saying that they have to be vaccinated in order to do that. Um, and what, or my, this parent is going to be, you know, I don't want to wear a mask to my kid's game. And, and these are saying, so I think they're going to see violence in, in that regard as these things are, are clashing as because they're vying for the same physical space, a right. football team, a football game, a basketball game, whatever, that's a, phys a limited physical space that only one ideology between these two can win out and they're not going to be able to coexist. So I think that's going to create some serious conflict in these events, uh, you know, basketball and football are the main ones. I don't know. I, I think some uh, places do swimming in the winter, but I'm just thinking about the short term, um, which is, uh, is football is the first one. I don't know what other events, I think maybe track actually, a lot of places might start out with track um, at the beginning of the year as well. Uh, some do it in the, in the fall and some do it in the spring and some do it both. But, but yeah. that's what I'm thinking about is that we're going to see serious clashes and it's going to force, it's going to force something. The plot's going to find us there, but I'm worried about, you know, it's going to create the most potential, I think, for places to change. I think I, if, you know, you get enough pissed off parents they are going to seize these school boards, you know, well, that, that's and that'll exactly also help with the CRT stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, though. It's, it's the only way that this is going to change is if these parents are caused pain. So if there's going to be more fights at school football games, good, good. This is yeah. the, this is. This is the situation that we have created for ourselves. And if the only way out of it is by causing people pain, and frankly, by pointing out this pain that's caused, and even like, like you know, sticking our finger in the pain, be like, do you feel it yet? Is it bad yet? Is it bad yet? Do you want it to get better? Or you still want it? Like, because I can stick my finger in there harder if you want to. That's the only, if that's the only thing that's going to elicit a response from people, then good. Well, let's clarify. No. We would not be the ones causing them pain. It's them experiencing pain from their own decisions. Oh, well, yes. But also, like, I yeah. want to be there to say, to say, like, what did you expect to happen? What did you think sure. was going to happen? And guess yeah. what? If you don't speak up now, here's what's going to happen next. And here's gonna what's going to happen the next thing. And here's what's going to happen after that. So do I think that, like, you know, frankly, I think that one of the best things, like, that people like you and I can do is, frankly, exacerbate the pain, is make it worse, 
is to remind them that just because if you bend the knee for this one thing, that doesn't mean that you're going to be set forever because then there's going to be another demand after that. And then there's going to be another demand after that. And it's just going to keep getting more and more and more painful. It's not going to stop just because you give in this one time. And I think that, sure. that there is a role that people need to play in, to, in making sure people understand this. So would you say, because I worry that there are people who really, really misunderstand what you just said. Um, the distinction I would make is it's one, one thing to actively participate. It's another thing to help explain the situation and say, this is only going to get worse. So like you need to understand what you're experiencing now is not temporary it will actually be, get progressively worse and worse and worse if you don't do something. And you might not like me for saying this, you might not like my tone of voice and how I'm explaining it, but I'm just being real with you in that, okay, it sucks that you're experiencing this now, but hopefully you see that you have to come and freaking do something about it or else you need to shut up because it's only gonna get worse. So like, there's a difference, like in other words, I'm not gonna go and try to like actually actively encourage a vaccine mandate or mass mandate or something like that, no. or that someone's business be shut down. But I will say, this is the consequences. You made your bed, you're sleeping in it. This is the fruit of the ideas that you have advocated for, you know, and I, and you need to understand that this is not some isolated thing. These are connected. A caused B, you don't like B, stop advocating for A. So th that's the kind of thing. So, I mean, does that make sense? Is that at least a fair well, distinction? It does, like it, well, it does. But I would also say that if there are people that would willfully misunderstand my point here, like, because I, because I, because I, I do frankly think it would be a willful misinterpretation to say that I'm, I, I'm not the one who put vaccine mandates in place. <laughs> I'm the one that's been screaming <laughs> yeah, about enough. this stuff for the last year. I've been the one, the one screaming about the psychological impacts of mass, right? Yeah. Like, so if people want to willfully misinterpret and say, Carlin wants to cause us all pain and she's just returning to her leftist roots and all these things. Like, oh you know, gosh, I guess, yeah, I guess, that, I guess that's like a, a strategy. Is it going to help you at all? No. Is it going to ultimately lead to you experiencing more pain in the future? Yes. And I will be there smiling every step of the way saying you wanted to pin this on me this was your doing and I pointed out to you exactly what was going to happen and I was right I'm sorry that you experienced pain but that is not my fault that is your fault and until you man Fair up enough. and start acting like a GD adult it's going to keep going this way Fair enough. my patience okay. is well, done Truman I'm sorry like I have I have zero patience left not... for this nonsense <laughs> not get that i'm glad you clarified that because i was yeah. i was thinking man carlin's feeling really patient with these people at the beginning like, so i'm glad no no, <laughs> no, I know, no patience I, no i i feel it too man it is frustrating. <laughs> it's like and I mean, it sucks what, well and, but it's not it sucks though because it's like it's like i feel like I feel like you can say, like, you can, you can tell people these things, you can say it with like the best intentions of helping them. But this is just another example of what I'm talking about is like, you know, I have so many people that spend so much time attacking, much more time attacking me than mm. they do the actual problem. And I'm like, sure. are you surprised that the problem is still there? Because you just spent the last three weeks attacking me. <laughs> like, yes. like, I'm not the problem. The problem is this other thing that I've been pointing out to you and saying, this yeah. is the problem. And you chose to direct your energy at me. So again, that's like, that's a personal choice. That is your problem. Like at the end yep. of the day, you know, I'm not going to feel like, like I'm going to be fine no matter what. Again, I live in New Hampshire. We just banned all this stuff. But like, you know, if, if people want to, to direct their energy in really unproductive ways, that's not something yeah. I can control. That's not something you can control. 
they're the only ones that can control that. And I think the reason that I, I have like that I have very little patience with humanity right now is I'm seeing so many people direct their energy in just really absurd ways. And the only yep. thing that I can surmise from all of this is like, okay, you want us all to suffer. Fine. Yep. Fine. You're going to suffer worse than me. And that's really all I can yep. control at the end of the day. Yeah. That's that, that saying, you know, that some people can be told and that's good enough. Others won't believe you if you tell them, but if they see it, then they'll be convinced and everyone else just has to piss on the electric fence themselves. And there's a lot of people that that's where they're at right now with these ideas. They just have to, like you said, experience that jolt of, oh, that was really dumb. That's really bad. Mm -hmm. And so fair enough. And then if that includes misdirecting their energy and misdirecting, you know, their priorities, that's all going to be part of receiving that shock of realizing that they are wasting their time and actually probably making things worse. Yeah. Uh, so how do you want to end it? We're about at the two hour mark. What do you think? What are your final thoughts? Well, I, I feel like I'm in a worse place at the end of this conversation than at the beginning. So thank you, Truman, for this doom and gloom podcast. Um, no, I mean, I sorry. Think, no, no, no. I mean, well, I think this like, it's, you know, where do I want to end it? You know, I think if there's one shining ray of hope in this is that, you know, people do have the power to turn this around in an instant. They do. Mm. It's just it, it, like you can change your mind in an instant. You can choose to look at something a different way in an instant. Where I am struggling right now is I see most people out there choosing to become zombies, choosing to become mm. pod people. And I'm like, like I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be a pod person. And I don't want to have to act sure. like a pod person in order to get through this dystopian nightmare. And, you know, I like, but I also can't control if you want to do that. And so it's kind of like, if the collective will of humanity right now is to have this morbid kind of desire to be controlled by other people or an authoritarian or tyrannical government, is there anything that we can really do to stop it? No, I think that we have to hope that, you know, in the enacting of some of these things and in the experiencing of the consequences of these things that more and more people are going to realize how much they value freedom and liberty to begin with and that will start to wake them up because there are still a lot of people who i mean this this shift is to the, the like these things have taken a major shift in our lifetime this was mm. it, things were not like this in the 90s Totally. Okay. Totally. They, they were not like this in the nineties. And so yep. there are people living today that grew up in the nineties that remember what things were like and that they could be better. Um, if we don't get a, get a handle on it in the next 20 years, I think we're going to be kind of screwed, but I do still think there's still time for enough people to wake up, to turn it around, but they have to want to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's well said. And I really like that. I mean, the notion that we are just one collective F this away from rejecting this crap is actually kind of encouraging. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think you're right. And that is one of the things that I'm looking for whenever I say like, I think this fall is going to be lit. I think that the conflict of these ideologies coming to a head is going to be good. I think in the long term, and does have the potential because I would much rather like, Everything that we just talked about, that needs to be the thing at the center of the 2022 midterms, right? Mm -hmm. What is going to facilitate that better 
than these conflicts being on the front of everyone's mind, than these policies being on the front of everyone's mind. So, you know, and if the will of the people, one, is even able to be heard, but two, is heard in, in, the, in the voting process where people, you know, like look at the recall in California where it's like, yeah, they very well might actually recall Gavin Newsom. Um, you know, so like that alone is, is, is pretty big. Now, of course, there's a, there's a huge gap between Gavin Newsom is bad and all of our progressive ideas are bad. Like that's a different thing, but you know, you gotta, you gotta crawl before you can walk. So if people were, you know, we want to reward people and encourage people if they're moving in the right direction, even if it's not at the same pace, uh, as we would like. So fair enough. I think you still managed to end, end it on an encouraging note, despite the fact that I feel like all of this, you know, in my mind has been like, what do we do about the fact that we're all going to die, not from Delta, but from the Delta response, you know, here in three months? Cause that's, man, it is, it has really been consuming my thoughts to be honest. Uh, so anyway, oh, we'll, we're pretty we'll screwed, see. but I mean, I think that people need to keep in mind again, it's like, it's sometimes things need to get bad. And yeah. if people take personal responsibility for themselves and they try to isolate themselves and insulate themselves as much as they can, you're going to get through it fine. Like, I yeah. mean, you, like, like you got to figure out how you're going to make money from like a non-woke job. You got to figure out how you're going to pay your bills. You got to figure out how you're going to take care of your kids. But these are all fixable problems. If people just like get out there and they hustle, like there are a million different ways to make money. Um, there's, you know, there's different things you can do for your kids to keep them out of these schools. You can move to, to states that have laws and are enforcing laws in a way that like that are aligning with your values. Or have cultures that are going to be yeah. creating those laws. Yeah. You can support people that are that are trying to, you know, that are trying to fix these things. These are all feasible solutions. And I think like short term, people have to just start taking personal responsibility for themselves. Yeah and making sure their life is together because you can't help other people until you take care of yourself anyway. And then once you get that taken care of, then, you know, maybe going back and fighting out on a bigger level, but you have to make sure your own security is taken care of first. Yeah. And so, so let's end it there in that you said we're pretty screwed, but then you just laid out a pretty concise unscrewing template for people on an individual level. So mm -hmm. to go with the with the, name of the show look at that so thank go. you everyone for for watching i appreciate this follow carlin at kb.locals.com uh dr dr carlin b Dr. Carlin. Well, Dr. so Carlin my, my website, yeah, on, on uh, yeah, on Twitter, my my handle is Dr. Carlin B. I'm either Dr. Carlin B or Carlin on every platform, basically. Yeah, including <laughs> Rumble. She's really active on Rumble, so be I'm sure. I'm not to, really to active on Rumble. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but locals is the main place. Same with me. Yeah. My locals community is the one that is. You know, it's like that's the the main one. But you know, YouTube, mm -hmm. Twitter, my mundane mind, um, and Medium, Think Spot. Uh, as as I create content for those places, <laughs> which Excellent. is sparse. Uh, do you have anything else to add bef before we uh, before we take off? No, another good episode, Truman. Where we might even make it to episode four at this rate. I I hope so because we got to see if these predictions are correct. We right? do. We're you committed know, now. We have we're committed through the fall anyway. And we still haven't even we still I still haven't gotten the the, the let's I want to hear about pork fest. We still I still haven't got oh. to talk to you about pork fest. So let's we get let's talk about pork fest. Let's deviate from some of this black pill stuff and do a breakdown of pork fest for the next next one. episode right. will be a fun episode. Yes, yeah, because I can't. This stuff is just is murders right. me emotionally. So anyway, all right. Thanks everyone. We will see you next time. Thank you guys. Peace.